welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. Today is September the 9th, 2020, and today we are talking about Latin America adoption and how you and your family or you could encourage others to adopt internationally. We are so privileged to have Beth Perez uh, on with us today, who is a familiar face and familiar voice to the Defender podcast, as well as Farah Poe. And both of these excellent ladies serve well in our Latin America programs and help oversee those programs. Uh, They are excellent at what they do, and I know that you will enjoy hearing them talk a little bit more about how you or your family or someone you know can adopt internationally uh, from Latin America. But before we hear from these ladies, I want to remind you of Orphan Sunday, which is a global observance coming up on November 8th, 2020. Lifeline has free resources, including graphics and slides for presentation at your church, small group lessons, bulletin inserts, and opportunities for guest speakers. And so make sure that you get in touch with your pastor, or if you are a pastor, that your church is observing Orphan Sunday on November 8th, 2020. Again, that's the second Sunday in November, every year, Orphan Sunday. To get more information about the resources that Lifeline has for you and your church, go to lifelinechild.org backslash orphan dash Sunday. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash orphan dash Sunday. So as I said, we're joined today by Beth Perez, who joined the Lifeline staff in August of 2011. Uh, She earned her bachelor's degree from the University of Mobile and then continued her education, getting a master's in social work from the University of Alabama. She's a licensed social worker and works among our Latin America program. One of the exciting things that Beth gets to do is she also oversees our indigenous care program, uh, how we're in we're equipping uh, indigenous global churches to care for children in country. Really, this is domestic adoption in countries outside of the United States. And so we're so grateful to see that happen. And she oversees that uh, in Central and South America, Africa, Europe, and Asia. We're so grateful to see this program go. But Beth has spent the majority of her time helping oversee our Latin America adoption programs. And so she has a wealth of knowledge. But then we're also joined, as we said, by Farah Poe, who is the program manager for Latin America. She also grad- she graduated from the University of Alabama at Birmingham with a bachelor's in social work. Uh, she feels called to work with children and has a passion for Latin American culture. Uh, she's fluent in Spanish and enjoys using her gifts to help further the gospel. We are so grateful for both of these ladies and for them joining us. And so first and foremost, we really want to talk about uh, these four main programs that we have in Latin America, Colombia, Brazil, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic. And then we want to we want to just let folks know that if they are especially called to Peru, there are some ways that we can help them as well. So, ladies, give us an introduction of of these countries and just an overview of the programs in the history. Thanks, Herbie. Um, So this is best speaking. These are really special programs to us. Like you said, we've been working there for about most of the programs for the last nine years. And so we have gotten to learn so much about the international adoption process and each program as we've seen so many families and children's come home. 
Um, I would love to give an overview and then Fair can give some details about the program themselves. But um, the main need that we see for adoption in Latin America are families who are willing to adopt um, children of any age with a medical special need, and those can vary um, in the levels of needs themselves, or families who are willing to um, adopt a child who would be about seven or eight years old and older with or without medical special needs, older children um, are much harder to place. And so they, they do ask for us to help advocate for them frequently. And then the final groups of kiddos that we see in Latin America are uh, sibling groups. We have a lot of sibling groups. Latin America is an extremely familial country. Um, they understand that sibling groups need to stay together whenever possible and whenever it's best for all the children. And so we see sibling groups of two, three, four, five, and more. Um, so these sibling groups are uh, especially, they're considered a special need in and of themselves so that way they can stay together. Um, but I'd love for Fair to share just a little bit more about each program. Thanks, Beth. Yeah, I would love um, just to share about our four main programs um, for Latin America at Lifeline, I'd love to start with our Columbia program. Um, we have been working in Columbia, like Beth said, for the last nine years. And just a little bit about the requirements. Um, you do have to be at least 25 years old to adopt from Columbia and married at least two years. Um, they do allow single women to adopt as well. But if you're married, they require two years married. Um, and then for our Brazil program and the Costa Rica program is going to be pretty similar requirements where you have to be at least 25 years old and married two to three years. And for the Dominican Republic, you do have to be married um, for five years and at least 30 years old. And so that's just kind of the overview. Again, I would say um, each country in Latin America looks at each family situation on a case-by-case -case basis. So most of our programs don't have requirements as far as number of children in the home, um, maintaining birth order, um, or that sort of requirement. And so they really do try to get to know each family on a case-by-case -case basis. Like Beth said, is very familial. And so they just wanna know who the family is and then work through um, some of those other requirements as well. Yeah, and, and so Farah, we know obviously you have uh, just a love for the culture of Latin America. Uh, and, and Beth, I mean, you have lived in Colombia for many years. Uh, for both of you, starting with Farah, just what makes, and, and, and Beth, I know you talked about the familial nature of the culture, but, mm -hmm. but what makes this culture so special? And would you say, hey, if you're called to Latin America, these are some things uh, to love about the culture and even to teach your kids about this culture? Yeah, that's a great question. And I feel like with us working with kids who are a little bit older, sibling groups, um, culture is a big part of who they are. And so just um, the love for each other in the culture is so great. I mean, we just see um, the government really loving the children too and wanting them to be parts of families. So that's really neat to see working with countries who do, who are promoting adoption and who do want to see children and families. I think that's definitely the main highlight of our countries um, is that they really are working for the children. Um, and then there, it's just so diverse in Latin America. Um, you know, there's cultures within cultures um, where the coastal region can be very different from the mountainous region to the city region. And so we see a little bit of everything as far as culture in each of our countries. Um, you know, we see different ethnicities in each of our countries as well. Um, and just such ri richness and diversity. 
um, you know, just thinking um, anywhere from music to food and just a love for the people and a love for who they are is just one of the neat aspects of our Latin America programs. Beth, I would love for you to jump into. I know um, we've mentioned you lived, you live in Colombia and have traveled to several of our countries. So just sharing from that aspect. Absolutely. I mean, I echo everything you guys say, and I know Herbie's been here several times and also loves the culture here. It is, um, I think the best way to describe it is bright. Everyone is very hospitable. It is um, a really rich culture in the sense that family is important. Friendships and relationships are important. Children are very important here. Um, and I, I think that just kind of builds out and we see the the flow of the culture into our programs. And it's been really special living here and getting to work with um, Colombians and getting to travel to Costa Rica and Brazil and DR more frequently and getting to know their governments and the caretakers of the home so much more. Um, there's a lot of love here. Um, there's also a lot of challenges, of course, just as anywhere else in the world. But one of my favorite things is just like how relationships are key here. And so built into the adoption laws and built into um, just the way that policies and guidelines play out here um, really are to advocate for the child. And um, I don't know that we've said this before, but actually domestic adoption, reunification, foster care are big in all of our countries. And so this is a growing field, the, the child welfare field. And Latin America, and it's really sweet to see um, Colombian families or Costa Rican families step up and uh, foster or adopt or help support families so that they can be reunified. And so that's why we end up seeing the children that we see for international adoption. Um, and one thing that we always kind of joke about is, you know, we say good morning and good night to our in-country teams and to the governments. They are not afraid to advocate, and they um, very much believe that our children should be in family. So it's been really, really, really sweet to be here and be part of all of that. Yeah, so for both of you, one of the things that we've mentioned is that in Latin America, if, if, if the Lord is calling you to adopt, there's a high probability that, that if you want to hit the biggest need, that is in these countries, it's going to be an older child or potentially a sibling group. Uh, what are the ways that a family could prepare themselves or even start to pray through if they could be called to an older child or a sibling group? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, it's a calling. I feel like adoption is a calling in general. Um, but I encourage families, if you're considering a sibling group, if you're considering an older child, definitely talk to us but reach out to other families who have adopted older kids and sibling groups. You know, they'll be able to give you the real life experience. There will be challenges, but there's also just joys in adopting an older child, adopting a sibling group. You know, we've seen many times where um, the government desires to keep siblings together, but there are times where they have to make a decision to separate them because there hasn't been a family to come forward to adopt all of the children together. And so we've seen that many times, maybe with a group of three or four or more siblings, just there isn't anyone in the country that is able to adopt a sibling group that large. And so we've definitely had families come forward in that way um, just to meet that need. But I always encourage families, you know, reach out to other families who have been there, who are, you know, one step ahead in that process and really to pray through it ultimately, to talk to pastors, to talk to your support group just about that decision, what it might look like for your family. Um, and then there's there's plenty of resources too on, you know, what it means to adopt an older child, how, um, you know, what resources you need. 
um, you know, how to adopt sibling groups. And so we definitely would love to equip families with that. But I would just encourage you to pray through it and just to talk to those close to you. And I totally agree with everything Farah said. I think I would just add that thankfully Spanish and, you know, in Brazil, they speak Portuguese, but Spanish and Portuguese are very common languages um, spoken in the U.S. and around the world. So we just believe it's so important to begin learning the culture as soon as possible. We have cultural trainings um, that we do with families. And then in addition to culture, being able to speak with the child a little bit more deeply in the beginning is so key and so vital and helping them retain that language as they pick up another language with English. Um, that's just a huge life skill for them. And so, and being able to promote that, we would encourage families to begin learning Spanish or Portuguese now and um, researching the culture and even thinking through the logistics of your home and your family and your, the resources in your community. And like Farah said, your mentors, um, if you, you do not know families who've adopted older kids or siblings, we have a, a sweet army a community of post-adoption families who wrap along our pre-adoption families to just kind of help support and mentor as well. Okay, so one of the, the things that, that I'd love for you all to touch on, so we talked about Colombia and Costa Rica, Brazil, Costa Rica, uh, and of course, Peru, but if someone goes, I know that I'm called to adopt from Latin America, but I don't know which country, help us decide or help a family think through both the, the positives, but, but also maybe the challenges of adopting from each of these countries. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, so I would just say when you're comparing the different programs, what we like to do is if you don't have a specific calling, like you said, Herbie, to a specific country, a lot of times people are drawn to the culture or the continent, right? Um, and so what we would like to do is sit down with each family and just kind of weigh out uh, the differences in the programs. And so one of the big differences are just who the children are. So for example, in Colombia, we may see children of all ages with medical needs, um, so younger and older. And we see the varying levels of needs of mild, moderate, and significant. Um, we also, in Costa Rica, though, we typically don't see many children who are younger, under seven, with a medical need. Or if we do, it's much more significant. So we may see older children and siblings, but we may not see as many younger children with medical needs. Um, I know Brazil, uh, with Brazil, it's very similar in that, too, like Costa Rica. So more older children and siblings. And then in the DR, it's technically all children um, with or without medical needs. And so we try to sit down and think through a family with a family, what are the dynamics, what are the needs you're open to, so forth. But also another big factor is in-country stay. So sometimes um, families need to do a shorter in-country stay versus a longer one or vice versa. Some families feel very called to do a longer in-country stay, which is amazing. So what an in-country stay is, is just when you travel to the country, it's one trip in Latin America, thankfully, but it's you go to the country at the end of your adoption process to find to meet your child um, in person and to finalize that adoption process. And so that's when the child becomes legally your child. And then you receive the visa and come back together. So, for example, Colombia is about three to four weeks. And then we see Costa Rica being four to six weeks and Brazil being about six to eight weeks in country. And then the Dominican Republic is actually four to six months. And so based on what a family can do um, or based on what a family is called to do, one of those countries may end up helping. We may be able to help uh, determine if there's a country that's the best fit for a family. And of course, if you want to add anything to that, that'd be great. 
Yeah, just the in-country piece. Um, I know just thinking about spending several weeks in another country can be daunting for a lot of families, but I would encourage you, um, you know, if you have a concern with the in-country stay, definitely talk to employers. I know many employers can be flexible with that. For most of our programs, at least one parent can return home, maybe midway through the process. Um, We do have great in-country teams that are a support to our families. And so, you know, if mom or dad had to come back to the U.S. for work, you would be supported by your in-country team. But I also encourage families really think about um, using that time in country to really spend getting to know your child or your children. Um, You're never going to have, you know, four weeks, just you and your kiddo um, to really get to know each other and to bond. And it's a great time just to get to know your child's country as well. Um, So I would definitely, you know, encourage families to think about that. Um, You know, I know in-country stay can be a harder aspect for many families, especially if you're looking at maybe four or five weeks. But really think through that. We'd love to help you think creatively and, you know, what you can do in the country and ways that you can make that work. Um, And so that's just one thing that I would add there. And obviously, I know that uh, the three of us are extremely biased uh, because (laughs) we've had the opportunity to travel like y'all said, to every one of these countries, mm-hmm. uh, we see the the uniqueness of the people. Um, I, I personally, one of the things I love, even as we talk about these countries, is just the way that we see the handiwork of our God and how he's knit these peoples together in so many different ways where you see his fingerprints all over these people in, in lots of different ways, right? Uh, um, and, and, and in the way that manifests, even in a secular culture, how you still see the glory of God manifest in the people that he made. Why do you think, though, why, why would we say, because really all of these countries, while some are shorter, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you're talking at, at the minimum three weeks in country. Mm-hmm. But why is that process so important, not just to appreciate where your child has been, but ultimately for raising and rearing your child in the future? Absolutely. I think for us, um, Farah and I are very passionate about how much we, how much we know that sometimes an in-country stay like that could be a challenge or a sacrifice for a family, but how beneficial it is, like you said, Herbie, for the long run. Um, the first thing is you come here and it, it has a lot to do with culture and that the government really, really wants families to spend at least a week or two, if not three, depending on the country. Uh, just bonding with your child. Like you will have custody of your child very quickly on in your country stay. And so again, like you said, on the short-term side of this, you're bonding with your child. You're getting to know where he or she is from. You're getting to see the things that make them, you know, part of who they are. And that is just a really beautiful opportunity. And you're getting to cocoon with your child in country, no distractions, just that one-on-one bonding and attachment. But in the long run, just really seeing the missional side of this is you get to build relationships with people in these countries, whether that be the government or the home workers. I mean, people, I can't tell you how many of our families have met people in their buildings, like their apartments or their hotels, or they go to church with us. And it's just a really special opportunity to be able to um, build long-term relationships and then ultimately to raise up the child in a to have a love for their country, a love for their culture. And honestly, many families and many kids, you know, really consider what it would look like to be, because our children get to be dual citizens, which is amazing opportunity. So if they want to come back to Columbia, there's no problem. They can come back and do mission work here. They can 
they can stay in the States. There's so many opportunities that the Lord opens for their futures in that regard. And so we just kind of see that as a, as a short-term investment with a long-term reward. So if, if I'm a family that's considering adoption from Latin America, you know, you come with questions mm-hmm. that, that you want to ask. What are those common questions that families ask and how would you answer them? Yeah, I think one of the common questions is, um, especially thinking about older children or sibling groups is, you know, if I'm considering a child who's older, maybe 12 or 13, does that child get a say in if they want to be adopted? Do they, are they being prepared well for the adoption? And I think one of the very neat aspects about Latin America is they are really good at preparing children for adoption. They want to make sure the adoption is going to be a success. That's not to say there won't be challenges, but they want to make sure the child is prepared in advance. And so, you know, they're taking time to explain what adoption means to that child, what it means to move to the United States, to be part of a new family, to really, um, you know, a lot of the kids may not have seen a healthy family dynamic. And so they're explaining what that means. And then additionally, I think a really neat aspect for Latin America is that once a family is matched with a child, they're able to Skype with the child before travel. And so they're spending several weeks seeing each other's faces, hearing each other's voices over Zoom or over Skype, just to get to know each other before the adoption process. And I would say, you know, a lot of the kids do work with psychologists or counselors just to help prepare them. And many times our families are getting to talk with those people preparing their children just to really get to know them more specifically outside of just a file, but really know who they are, their personalities, um, you know, any challenges, any strengths that they have. And so I think that's a really neat aspect that, you know, many families will ask about. Um, You know, I think another thing that families ask all the time is, can my bio kids come with me or can the kids in my home come with me for travel? Is it safe? Um, like, well, like we've mentioned already with Latin America being so relational, they encourage you to bring your kiddos to country. Um, and that's going to look different for each family, depending on, um, you know, the age and number of kiddos in your home. But when possible, I definitely encourage families to take kiddos with you just because we know adoption is a whole family process. And so it gives the siblings a chance to know where their brother or sister is coming from, get to know their language, get to know their culture, and ultimately really begin that bonding process from the very beginning. Um, I would say those are two of the biggest things that families ask. Um, Beth, what are some other common things that you've heard? Yeah, I was thinking along the lines of travel. That was perfect. The other thing I would add to that is some questions regarding travel we get is, can one parent return you know, back to the United States if they needed to get back to work and so forth, like halfway through their process. And the answer is for most of Latin America countries, one parent just needs, like both parents have to come for the first half of the process. And at the halfway point, one parent can typically return back to the U.S. if needed. And then another question we often get is about our in-country teams. And as we all know, in international adoption, the people we partner with, the people who are part of our uh, part of Lifeline, you know, in these countries play a vital, vital, vital role in what we do and how well you're cared for. And I can honestly say, Farah and I um, know these ladies extremely well. You will have a um, Colombian mama. You'll have a Costa Rican mama. You'll have a Dominican mama, wherever you go. Um, our our uh, ladies in country, our teens in country are fierce, 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 passionate fighters for our families and for our kids. They advocate well for families on the beginning steps of the process. 
when you're being matched and even all the way through to taking care of you guys when you're in country. Um, they make sure because you'll be in country for a couple of weeks, you know, they're going to make sure that you are settled into the best areas and that they're there with you to translate at appointments and take, take care of your family every step of the way. And so that's a big question we also get. And then the final question I was thinking about is, just what type of medical needs do we see in Latin America? And I think that really does come down and vary to each program. And so if a family is willing to be um, wanting to connect and learn more, we would love to sit down with you guys and talk through like what are common medical needs or what are common trends that we see in each country. So that way we can make sure that you're the best, you're in the best program for your family and vice versa. Um, the best program is the best fit for your family. So if, if anyone ever has questions, we would love to sit down one-on-one -on -one and really work through that with them. Ladies, I know that there's a lot of different options, right? If you feel called or, or you're looking to adopt, what would you say sets Lifeline apart in the services that we offer and in the way that we approach adoption from Latin America? My, oh, go ahead, Vera. <laughs> I would say just our love for the Lord would set us apart. You know, we're trying to do everything to honor him. Ultimately, we know that, you know, he gets the glory and he's ultimately in control. And so our heart is to honor him in that. And in the same way, you know, we feel part of honoring him is really just preparing our families well, making sure they're prepared for the challenges, for the joys that will come. Um, and really just, you know, we're looking ahead at post-adoption and making sure that families do feel equipped and prepared to bring a child into their home through adoption. And so I feel like that that's one of the aspects that really sets us apart. And like Beth was saying, you know, our teams in country are doing the same thing. You know, they're, they're really trying to honor the Lord in this and really, um, you know, look at the best interest of each child and each family. And I would definitely add to the fact that um, you, we have a team at Lifeline that is truly a team. It's not uh, anyone's left to themselves. This, your family doesn't come with just one, one point. You're coming with a whole team behind you and a community. And not only that, our families, I just think are the greatest and they want to have a community and share um, and walk through things with you guys and support and love you guys well as in addition to that. And then one other final thing that I, I just love about Lifeline, it's just so special and near and dear to my heart is that um, I feel like many times our heart are for the, the kiddos that are being overlooked, the invisible children. So um, whatever that looks like, it's just so holistic, whether that be being, if it's a helping a Colombian family stay together, if it's in the best interest of the child, we want to minister um, through the local church in that way. And like Herbie was saying, and provide some education and resources in that way, or if, or if it's in, the child's invisible in the sense that maybe they are older, it's a bigger sibling group, or it's a different type of medical need. Um, rather than, you know, I think the best way to say it is just really trying to advocate and make those children known and not just known, but to have their forever family so they can receive um, just discipleship throughout the course of their lives and love and care. And so that is just something that is just, you know, these last nine years for me that has meant so much just to see that we, we, our heart is for all the children, not just some children, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think too, I would want families just to know that we are committed to discipling them and helping them disciple yeah. children. Uh, well, after the adoption has been completed, we want to see ultimately 
the hope of the gospel uh, go forth to these children from Latin America uh, and understand that adopted families, family is an instrument of that discipleship. And so to the extent that we can continue to walk with your family as you rear your child and disciple your child and show them, grow them in the Lord, uh, that is that is a, 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 a deep part of our commitment to your family. Well, just kind of as we close, what are some ways that you would encourage folks to pray for Latin America and to pray for these countries? I would definitely encourage you to pray for the churches there. Um, we partner with a lot of churches in Latin America who are working with the government, caring for the children that are in care. Um, in Colombia, we have many foster families through the local churches. And so I think the biggest thing to pray for was just for the churches as they're doing the Lord's work, as they're walking through these steps and as they're in country um, would be the biggest prayer request that I have. Yeah, and I would definitely right now, especially in the midst of 2020, be asking you to pray for the caregivers and the government workers in each country as well. I know um, I personally walk through this every day with the, the different government and caregivers here, and they are working hard and so hard just to advocate for the kids, but also in this these kind of unprecedented times, um, helping them stay safe and healthy and entertaining them with limitations and quarantine. So I would just definitely ask for uh, prayers in that regard as well. And just to reiterate, if you or your family or somebody you know is interested in adopting from Latin America, uh, specifically Colombia, Dominican Republic, Brazil, or Costa Rica, please don't hesitate to reach out and to find us and Farah, how could someone get more information outside of this podcast on adopting from Latin America? Yeah, so I would love for families to email me directly. Um, I would love to set up a time um, just to talk with your family uh, more about adoption from Latin America, get to know you guys. And so you can actually email me um, at Farah, that's F-E-R-R-A-H dot P-O-E at lifelinechild.org. And we would love just to send you a breakdown on each of the countries um, we do have different resources like webinars and videos just explaining our programs too. So we'd love to send those over. Please, like, like Fair has said, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to help you start on this journey. And if you're not called to adoption, please continue to pray for the children of Latin America who need homes, who need permanents. Pray for families in Latin America to be brought back together. Pray for what we see with, with families domestically looking to foster and looking to adopt. And pray that those children who need to uh, find homes internationally, that they would and that the right family at the right time would show interest and be matched with those children to the glory of God. Thanks for joining us and please reach out to us if you'd like more information on adopting from Latin America. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. Oh,